This is BTS with CTV, behind the scenes, behind the stories we bring you from the CTV Vancouver newsroom. My name is Penny Daflas, and I'll be your guide behind the curtain to what it's like working on Christmas and the types of stories we find ourselves reporting on, both uplifting... It's just the most amazing thing. You guys are amazing. Christmas is the most important time of the year. I love Christmas. It'll make me cry. <laughs> and tragic. I saw a fire and we opened the door and we see all the smoke. What a thing to happen on Christmas Day, eh? I can confirm that there's been a, a tragic uh, set of circumstances here this evening. When we attended the residence, our members uh, located two deceased individuals and one injured party. Plus, what's behind the familiar stories told year after year. Does it happen often, right? Well, like Christmas? Are you hoping it snows? Yeah! Why? Because I'll make a snow angel. Scott Hurst joins me now. And you know, Scotty, originally when I came up with a theme for this podcast, it was going to be about what it's like working Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, because we've all done it. But then as I started talking to the reporters, everybody had a memorable story from working the holidays. And yours was one that I I just watched it. And I don't think I'm going to be able to get that out of my head. Working on Christmas can be a bit bizarre because we all want to be in the holiday spirit and let loose, have some fun a little bit, but things still happen when we're out gathering daily news. And several years ago, I was out covering a fire where more than a dozen people were displaced and this... Uh, we ran into this woman who was one of the people displaced and, and the fire started in her unit and it was because of a, trisma, a Christmas tree that had been knocked over. I live here 21 years. <laughs> All that Dekan Day has left is a small bag and the clothes on her back. She was up early in the morning all ready for church when she saw her Christmas tree tip over and burst into flames. I saw like bombs. Oh, Mamma Mia, I bring the blank, big blanket, put, again bring, put, nothing, big fire. Continued to go through the entire complex, and it was a big response from firefighters, social services. So, you know, you want a, a day where you can maybe get into the holiday spirit yourself, but as we still cover news, bad things still happen, and it's uh, it's a bizarre day to work. It is because, like you say, there's that um, there's a, a really mellow, positive mood going on. And what I really love about that story is, even though I mean the circumstances are tragic, a BC housing complex. I mean, these are people who already don't have a lot, so to be forced from their homes, you know, at least two people, their homes were destroyed. But then the fact that neighbors and people around went and got donations from Starbucks and just tried to make it a positive day. Like, it's a tragic story, and that doesn't undo what happened, but it's still, like, you're just left with a warm feeling after. God help everybody. No doubt it is an emotional day for many people in the neighborhood. Sophia Elson lives just a few blocks away. She dropped everything to help those in need. She made coffee and served snacks, donated by a nearby Starbucks. Merry Christmas to them, and they're all going to their separate homes, and some may be going to families and some may not, but uh, at least they're all safe and they have their life. And the volunteers specifically went to help out because it happened on Christmas, and that's special. Not to mention, I think it's really important that we're there to be able to show that because so often humanity, it just feels like we're so disconnected from people and you just don't care about your neighbors. And to be able to see something like that with people reaching out to help, I I think it just... You get a better sense of humanity, and it's not just that time of year. I mean, it's a special time of year to be able to talk about this, but I think it really helps to be able to show the good stuff out there as well as the bad. You, you do, you really do see how connected neighbors can be in a tragedy. Uh, of course, it's a really bad incident, 
a lot of people displaced from their homes. Some of them lost a lot in their homes, but a lot of good on that day because of the generosity of neighbors and um, also people that were working. Firefighters also working on Christmas Day. Emergency social services also working on Christmas Day. So it really is a was a, a special day despite the tra- the tragic nature of what happened. And you and I have worked a lot of holidays, so we know that news can happen at any time. And I'm just thinking, I mean, how many rescues have there been Christmas Eve, Christmas Day on the North Shore where these poor volunteers get pulled from family dinners and they got to suit up and go to a really treacherous environment with snow and everything else. But they just have to drop it literally at a moment's notice and go try to rescue and and save lives. It's so important that we tell those stories as well. Mm -hmm. A lot of respect for the people that do work on Christmas Day in the first responder world, as you said, uh, search and rescue. Firefighters in this story, police, um, paramedics. Uh, it's incredible uh, what people do to come together, whether you're getting paid or not getting paid, especially on that day, you want to help people out. Reporter Ben Milger joins me now. And Ben, you, before coming to CTV Vancouver, started out in a much colder climate, your reporting career. Yeah, absolutely, in Winnipeg. Um, And obviously, uh, over the Christmas holidays, it's generally a lot colder there than it is here. Uh, One of my favorite Christmas Eve stories um, was uh, a family known as the Boitio family. Uh, Their patriarch, a guy named Gary, was uh, really larger than life in his community and threw all kinds of uh, big block parties and and was known as just one of the friendliest guys in the neighborhood. Um, And he tragically lost his life in a car crash uh, when his daughters were quite young. Uh, Now they're adults, uh, and in order to honor their dad's memory, every year uh, around the holidays, in the months leading up to the holidays, they uh, get together with a bunch of uh, friends who volunteer with them, uh, and they uh, collect gifts. They go to companies and get gift cards and donations from uh, different businesses. Uh, And on Christmas Eve, uh, they give out thousands and thousands of gifts, just going door-to-door, spreading holiday cheer uh, in some uh, uh, underprivileged Winnipeg neighborhoods. Bringing tears of joy to perfect strangers. That's therapeutic for the Boitio family as the memory of their father's big heart lives on through them. It's very surreal. Um, I didn't think we could ever achieve something that brought us as close to him as this does. And we really feel like he's still here. What I love about that story and the way that you put it together is you just kind of took us through this family that did suffer a personal tragedy uh, right around Christmas time. And instead of, I mean, obviously there would have been a grieving process, but instead of making the holidays be this awful, terrible time where they only thought about loss, yes, there was an element of that, but it still, it, it was, it turned into something that brought smiles to people's faces and they just totally transformed that personal tragedy and then were able to transform other people's lives at the same time. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the uh, the two adult daughters are, are really sweet, and they, they put a lot of time and, and effort into this because they want to do something that, that really memorializes their father and helps his legacy live on, which was that he was so well-known in the neighborhood as the, the nicest guy who would do anything for you and would invite the community over to his home several times a year. Um, so it was really neat to be able to go along with them, uh, knocking on doors. People open the door, they don't know who's there, and all of a sudden uh, there's all these people dressed up in uh, Santa hats and hand and out gifts uh, for not only just the children in the homes, but also for adults as well. There were uh, gifts geared towards uh, every age of person. Um, and it was, it was really fun. Even on a cold day, I think it was like minus 29 in the wind that day. Um, but uh, standing on people's doorsteps uh, and seeing the joy that uh, these uh, people were able to spread uh, and, and in that small way honor their father uh, as well. It was really touching. 
but also a lot of pressure, I imagine, to be able to tell such a personal story to a public audience. I mean, you get immersed in that, and then to be able to translate that, that, that can be a real challenge. Absolutely. Obviously, uh, it's a very um, personal thing that these uh, girls are doing. Uh, I can't imagine what it would be like uh, to to have somebody in your life that close uh, and lose them at such a young age. And for them to be able to honor their dad in this way, uh, it does put a lot of pressure on the, anyone who wants to tell their story because you want to do that story justice. Um, and I hope in some small way that I was able to, to contribute to, to the Gary effect, which is what they call their, their project. April McCarrick first volunteered with her daughter last year, using it as an opportunity to teach compassion. I wanted to show her that um, Christmas is not all about just receiving presents, but it's also about giving too. Ali Hurst joins me now. And, you know, Ali, I feel like for every heartwarming and really inspiring story we have at Christmas, there's something super devastating. A few years ago or, or around the Christmas season, um, that uh, tsunami that killed thousands of people, I remember was... I think it was Christmas night, our time. It was Boxing Day um, in the Pacific. And so there's just so much tragedy around this time of year as well. And and last year, you had one of the most tragic stories that there are to cover. Yeah, I mean, Christmas can be a hard time of year for any for anyone. And certainly last year was a tough one. Um, in Oak Bay, it was that case where those two little girls were found who had been killed in their house. They were at their dad's house at the time. And um, he has since been charged, uh, charged in that case. So that was a tough one. You know, you hear about it and you're trying to talk to police about it. It's sensitive. It's Christmas day. Um, you think of that day as people being home with their families. And, you know, we're talking about the murder of two little girls who, you know, were celebrating Santa coming to their house just that morning. So um, it's it's at that time of year. It's something I think always to keep in mind too. It, it can be tough. It can be the time of year that horrible things happen. And I seem to remember that there was so little information coming out, not just because it was sensitive, but I feel like police were reluctant to let full details of that come out, just given that so many people, I I feel like it it was um, due to the fact that so many people would have not wanted to hear about two little children being, you know, found dead in, in, in a home under any circumstances. And not that we can really speak to their motivation, but it just, it was, it seemed like the information was extra slow in coming out, just given the date on the calendar that day. Yeah, I mean, I think partially could be also how many people are working that day. You know, I mean, um, in any industry like ours, you know, we're skeleton staff over the holidays. But getting information on that particular time, it ha- it, it was all coming out late, later in the evening, late afternoon, I think, or, or early evening. So um, trying to find out what was going on for the shows was a challenge police releasing information was a, was quite a challenge, the sensitivity in part, and then wanting to tell that story on Christmas Day, you know, I mean, yeah, I think that always plays in a bit, a little bit in a factor of, do we really want to tell a story like this one on a day that's typically known for celebration? And tone is so important for that, too, because if anyone's turning on the TV at 6 o'clock on Christmas Day, they've probably had dinner, they're probably with their families. If they're alone, um, that bring, can, can bring its own sadness as well. So it's really tough. You can't not report on it, but your tone on a day that many people are spending happily surrounded by family, like that's it's incredibly, incredibly tough. 
Yeah, it was a tough one to cover. I remember we were emailing back and forth with photographers on the island who were on scene. And, you know, every, you just think about your own family, right? You know, you think we're at work, but our families are all together, gathered around the Christmas table, perhaps having turkey or um, going to be with ex, um, relatives elsewhere. And you think about that and, and you know, it really kind of ha- it adds an extra level of already a tragic story, I think. And so what was the mood like in the newsroom? Because, you know, usually everybody's quite relaxed. We're doing kind of the feel-good stories or, you know, turkey dinner at the Union Gospel Mission or whatever. So it's it's fairly, it's like you say, skeleton crew, but it's a lighthearted atmosphere. So when that news started coming down, I imagine it just brought down the mood in the room as well. It did. It was, um, it was actually, it was just, there was just two of us on the desk. It was me and Scott and, um, you know, we're watching for all this information to come in and, and we're making calls on it. And it did kind of chill our Christmas. And, um, you know, when you're talking to everyone who, as they come in, in the control room, what's the new story for the late show? Well, we've got these two dead children. It, 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 you know, it really does bring you down on a day, um, you know, where it's, it's all, it's a lot about selling, celebrating family. It was a, it was a tough one. It was a, it was made for a very quiet newsroom, uh, solemn newsroom, um, there wasn't as much joking and laughter as there had been earlier on in the afternoon. Things really did shift. And, you know, the two of us just sort of quietly worked on the show, put it together and, and went to air with it and tried to put that one behind us. And it's hard, like on a daily basis, we are kind of accustomed to locking away our own personal feelings and our own thoughts about a lot of things. And you, cause you have to be detached. You have to be arm's length because that's part of the job. But Christmas Day and little kids like I just I that story still has stuck with all of us I think just uh, not just the date on the calendar but what happened and just everything together I think it's just extra devastating and hard to kind of keep yourself um, at arm's length from a story like that yeah and I mean we talked about it all day all night and even when you come off the air at midnight you're walking home from work after a story like that, that's all you think about. You know, you're up late thinking about it, talking it over, talking over the details, trying to come down from from something that's really quite heavy. And I mean, I wasn't on on the ground that day. You know, it, there was another reporter there for us because um, it was on the island. Yeah. But uh, and so I can only imagine what what they went through when they got home and they were there with their families. And you know, it's it is something that you you have to try and work through and process before you go to bed at night, right? And then you get up the next morning and you do it all over again. And uh, you just hope that maybe the next day you're not going to have to uh, cover such a devastating and tragic story. Nafisa Kareem, uh, you and I have worn a lot of hats in this newsroom over the years. Give us the Coles notes from your years working during the holidays. I've spent, I want to say, eight years now at CTV, and in my first few years, I was a writer. Now, I just want to say that I usually work Christmas because I actually don't celebrate Christmas, and I don't have kids either. So I don't mind working Christmas Day. I actually enjoy it. Uh, When I started, I was a writer, and I spent my first couple of years working Christmas Day, and I learned that it is a challenge to put together a newscast on Christmas Day. From a content perspective, the challenge is... How do you fill a newscast when you're running on a skeleton staff and the rest of the news outlets across the country and the world are also running on a skeleton staff? There just isn't a lot of content out there to fill up a newscast. And that's why you often see the same kinds of stories on Christmas year after year. You know, 
you see the cre- uh, the Queen's Christmas message. You know, there'll be something from the Pope, from uh, St. Peter's Square. Now, after the first couple of years, I moved into reporting. And from a reporting perspective, it can also be a challenge, finding and filing a story on Christmas Day. Now, sometimes there's actually breaking news. I remember spending Christmas Day one year outside a house in Port Coquitlam where there had been a shooting. So my cameraman, Gary, and I basically froze our butts off that day. But we were happy in the sense that we didn't have to try and make a story out of nothing because that's quite often the case on Christmas. We'll have three reporters on Christmas Day. And if there is an obvious news story, that will take care of one of those reporters. But then what do you do with the others? Well, usually some poor reporter has to do a story about the weather. So is it a white Christmas? Is it a green Christmas? Is it a white Christmas on Grouse Mountain? Maybe they go up there and they try to talk to people who are playing in the snow. So usually there is some kind of a weather story. And then there's another story, maybe, uh, you know, someone tries to do a human interest story about people who have to work on Christmas, so they have to go out and maybe talk to a city worker, or, you know, so that'll get turned into a feature. And then sometimes there's a story about a charity effort or a holiday meal that's put on by volunteers, so that could be a story for a reporter to package as well. Now, covering around the holidays in general, quite often in newsrooms, you'll hear the term Christmas bingo, which is basically along the same lines lines is you see the same kinds of stories over the holidays over and over again. So you know the old last minute shopping story, you know the Christmas Grinches stealing something special. Uh, from a workplace perspective, I would say Christmas in, new, in a newsroom is actually really fun. Uh, there's quite a few of us who do it year after year because either we don't have kids or we don't celebrate Christmas and it kind of becomes a fun day and a little reunion for all of us. The set is usually beautifully decorated for the holidays. We have Christmas trees, sometimes we have poinsettias, and there is a little elf on the shelf. So it is something I look forward to every year. Uh, This year, I will be anchoring Christmas Day for the second year in a row, so uh, it will be fun. I do look forward to it, and that's how I will be spending my Christmas. I'm so happy to welcome uh, producer Alicia Doyle to the podcast for the first time. Thank you so much for being here. My pleasure, Penny. Anytime. Now, you are one of these amazing people who ends up working most holidays, including Christmas, And I have to ask you, as the producer, how do you, on such a quiet day, skeleton staff, how do you manage to fill a newscast? How how do you find stories for us to put out there? Well, on holidays, especially around Christmas, I find um, the audience is looking for specific themes, usually, you know, Uh, things like... um, giving and donating, volunteering, the things that will make them feel like Christmas usually. So I'm always still looking out for news, of course, but you're right. It is a challenge to um, fill 60 minutes when it's pretty quiet in the city that you're uh, covering. Uh, So I tend to look for community dinners, um, events that are meant to help uh, brighten someone's day in the downtown east side I'm thinking of um, it's usually more of a challenge these stories are stories that require people to uh, trust us to open up and to share and sometimes they're vulnerable uh, so these stories take a little more time actually to tell um, but it's so satisfying in the end because it's uh, a f- the point is to make f- people feel good over the holidays and so these 
stories that are driven by people and about people who live in our community are often the ones that people remember the most um, when you think about uh, the news uh, over the holidays. It's so hard then when, I mean, everybody wants, especially Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, you're turning on the news, you're probably with your family or you want something, a feel-good thing. Uh, But as we've just been hearing from the reporters, it's so hard those days when there is a terrible news story, uh, the Oak Bay killings. Uh, you know, we had a couple of years in a row, um, a years ago, where there were serious rescues on the North Shore, people in life-threatening situations. It's How hard is it to kind of try to strike the right tone between news that's happening, but also like on those days, people, it's a, it's a different atmosphere and a different expectation in terms of what we want to put out there. But it's important that we do that and we do it with... Um grace and sensitivity, I think, uh, for our audience watching and those who are impacted for sure. You were talking about themes earlier. My absolute favorite story to do and watch at this time of year in the city of Vancouver or in the region is, are we going to have a white Christmas? It's my favorite movie. And for me, it's always had a certain magic about it. And no matter what else happens every day, I leading up to Christmas, I'm checking the forecast. I'm like, is it going to be cold enough? Are we going to have rain? And I just love the stories. And you, you just, when you ask people about white Christmas, are we going to have one? What does it mean to you just to watch their faces light up? That's another one that I think it's a uniquely West Coast thing because it's so rare that it happens here. But I absolutely love that theme as well about is it going to be green or what are we going to get this year? Will it rain? (laughs) (laughs) Will it be foggy? And what's the rest of Canada have? Because you get competitive, you know, the other angle is just, oh, and then the day after Christmas, let's not forget the Boxing Day, the sales, the excitement and then the new years and the the um annual stories that we tell around this time of year like food poisoning for you know (laughs) buffet dinners (laughs) you're totally right i know dangers around christmas trees um recycling your you know wrapping paper Uh, all of those themes see are um news you can use um but there are themes that will never go away around christmas people who are hungry people who are living in poverty people who are having um dealing with political unrest um homelessness uh, those are loneliness. loneliness. I mean, that's the one that really breaks my heart at a time when a lot of us are surrounded by friends and family, the people who are surrounded by nobody. And that's one of the things, one of the things I like actually working about the holidays because I am alone. I'm a single person and I have no children. So who else would work on those holidays other than myself? Um, at the same time, I I like to think that I I have a little bit of an input into what people at home are going to be watching. And I don't forget about those people who are not enjoying this holiday necessarily. Um, so one of the things I like to do day to day, but certainly on holidays like that, is find a variety of voices, diversity in voices on uh, on the TV for that 60 minutes, not just the, the folks who are, you know, and the kids who are celebrating Santa's arrival, but it is also uh, important to note that it's not easy for everybody, and there are events and a lot of things happening in the city to help support those people in the community who find it hard at this time of year. 
So it, it's about finding a little bit of everything and putting it all together. Um, it is certainly more creative than most days. <laughs> sure, absolutely. Um, but I, and NORAD is always my favorite on Christmas Eve. NORAD, they make the best television um, following along the uh, flight plan of uh, Santa Claus, even though he's not real. There, it, it is fun on Christmas Eve to actually uh, get on board a fake news story and be proud of it. Especially because it takes you back to being a kid, doesn't it? And just that excitement. And like, I mean, back in my day, like it was on the radio. I don't think there were even really graphics. It was just like, oh, oh, and it was just kind of made up, whatever. It's very sophisticated now. But that is another, I think, it, 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 another beautiful theme, like you say, at that time of year. Yeah. And I, I mean... Uh, last year, we didn't have sound effects for. We did NORAD segments at, throughout the show on Christmas Eve four or five times. We checked in to see where he was because, like you said, they have this amazing graphic systems that show you where he's flying over. You know, and um, last year our audio wasn't working, so physically, Gabe, our uh, floor uh, director shook bells in front of the microphone of the host so that we had the sound effects at least to, so the kids at home would know that this is somewhat of, you know, a signal that this is Santa Claus that we're following. But I didn't yeah, know that. that That's was, so sweet. so fun. And we posted it. I, I loved that moment so much. Every time we would go to Nora Boards, Gabe had to, like, physically shake the bells in front of Julie's face. Julie Nolan was hosting so that we would pick up the audio. <laughs> Because we, we were so slim on bodies, we didn't have an audio uh, operator. We didn't have an AD. It was, uh, you know, three people. <laughs> well, and there you go, the CTV family trying to bring Christmas cheer on Christmas Eve however we can. That's right. Ho, ho, ho. <laughs> so one more look at where Santa is right now. And according to NORAD, he's over Columbia. And so far, he's delivered oh, almost five him. million presents. And Kilji, what are you putting out for Santa? <laughs> Cookies and milk, and I'm leaving the parking spot outside my place wide open for my present that I asked for. Shannon Patterson, we've heard so many sad stories. I think you've got a really uplifting one to end this podcast with today. It started a little sad, but don't worry. Keep listening. It gets better. So this was in 2014, and I was working the days leading up to Christmas. And on the 23rd, I went and met a little girl named Jada. And she has a very rare genetic condition called charge syndrome. Um, she has been given a 50-50 chance of survival many times. She's had open heart surgery, a pacemaker. She's a very sick little 12-year-old girl. And on um, the evening of December 22nd, someone stole all the inflatables from outside of their home in South Vancouver. Jada loved these inflatables. They were her favorite thing. It got her in the Christmas spirit. She's not uh, a little girl who can verbally express herself very well, but they make her face light up. And so it was very sad the very first day I met Jada to see that there was nothing in her front yard, that there was just a bunch of extension cords because a Grinch, as we say at this time of year, came along and stole them. So... I had hoped and I had a feeling that if we told Jada's story on the 23rd, two days before Christmas, something miraculous would happen, and it did. So um, the call started coming to our newsroom the moment that story aired of people who wanted to replace Jada's inflatables. And so we uh, went back the next day. I was working Christmas Eve day, and... It was amazing to see. I was there for maybe an hour and a half. Vehicle after vehicle was coming to drop off um, a reindeer and a snowman and some big ones and little ones and so many different colorful inflatables for Jada. And she looked thrilled. It was so much fun to watch. 
something that started sad and made you angry turn into something happy because most people aren't like that Grinch. Most people want a girl like Jada to have a great Christmas. And so it turned into one of my most memorable Christmas stories because we were able to give Jada her Christmas back, thanks to CTV viewers who wanted to help. It really touched my heart. Um, I really wanted to help out. I didn't want her to not have her inflatables for Christmas. She seems pretty excited. She's very excited. She has her friends back to give high fives to. High fives for St. Nick and the snowmen. To hear Jada screaming and happiness, I'm so happy. This actually exceeded what we had before. And to see so many people come out and reach out with such positiveness and such humanity. Brightens your Christmas. Completely. It feels overwhelming just to see people, the good in people. That there are good people still out there. It just makes Christmas feel good for us, but it makes them feel really good too. That's one of the things that, you know, it's great when we can do stories that change policy and that go after accountability for lawmakers and, and public figures and all sorts of stuff. It's so important what we do. But I think also bringing those stories and giving them the kind of profile for people to be able to reach out and help. Because I think people are generous and giving, especially at this time of year. And sometimes they just need a little bit of inspiration to, to do something nice for someone and put a smile on a little girl's face. They just need to know that there's someone like Jada out there a few days before Christmas who's heartbroken over this. And no, I mean, people don't want to see that. I, I figured that people would step up to help. And just in case, uh, the night of the first story, I went out and bought an inflatable because I didn't want to <laughs> I was going to give her one. But it turns out mine got dwarfed by some of the massive ones people got dropped off the next day. But you're right, people... Most people are good, and we sometimes, as reporters, have to remind ourselves of that because we cover a lot of negativity, but most people are good. And at this time of year, people want to make sure, especially children, get a Christmas. And so people stepped up, and they gave Jada what she wanted. And it was a very simple request. She just wanted something colorful to greet her at her front door when she came in every day. And so uh, it was nice to see that all it took is for us to broadcast what happened to her for everyone to step up and fix it. Thanks so much to everybody for sharing their stories. And once again, to Janine Avellino for her help with archival audio this week. And thank you for joining us on BTS with CTV. Is there a topic you'd like us to cover on a future podcast? Email me, bts at ctv.ca. And if you like what you heard, please subscribe for more insights, tidbits, and the stories behind the stories. I'm Penny Daflos.